All right, welcome back, everybody, to Story Simple Spirit Podcast on how to make sense of scripture. My name is John McCambridge, and I am joined here in the 514 Production <laughs> Studios by Jackie Mitchell. How's it going? What's up, Jackie? Today, we are going to go through Genesis 23, the death and the burial of Sarah. Yeah. Uh, and so we'll, we'll kind of get into what that looks like here in, in a moment. Uh, but I would like to take a moment to okay. just say that uh, Jared's not here with us today, producer Jerry. Yeah. And remember, I told you uh, a couple weeks ago that he has a podcast now, which is why he big leagues us basically every recording yeah. session. Bye, Jerry. I mean, I appreciate it because he still does do all the post-production on it, which is very nice. Okay, that's you know? true. He does and help us out a lot, We I couldn't guess. do that ourselves. No, really, we couldn't. But here's, here's something interesting, Jack. You might not know this, but I am actually in, involved in what I would call podcast beef with Jerry and the rest, which is the other podcast that 514 Church produces. With Jared and Joel? Mostly with Jared. Okay. But Joel's, I mean, you know, look. He's adjacent look, kind he's of there, to man. this. Yeah. And so here, here's what happened. It's a bystander. Okay? Jared handles... Uh, all of our digital stuff. Mm -hmm. And because of his skill set, you know, sometimes that includes stuff with computers, right? Mm -hmm. Well, I cracked my computer screen. I did hear about this. Which it's mysterious how it happened because I don't really, I don't remember dropping it. Okay. But it was cracked as if it was dropped. So, so Jared fixed it, which was very nice of him. But then what Jared did is he spread around the, our church staff, the rumor that I sat on it. This is a rumor? Cracking the screen. Oh, I took this as truth. This Jared is what told I'm talking me this. About. See, my Jared own podcast host doesn't even it. stand up for me. And so Jared told our whole staff this. Everyone came up to me and asked me about it. Then he said it on his podcast. You know, I. Dozens are you sure of listeners. you didn't? Are you sure you didn't sit on it? I'm like 99 percent <laughs> sure. But but the problem is that I don't actually know how it happened. I believe so it's Jared. Like, I don't know. <laughs> are you serious right no, now? No, I mean, well. Jackie. I don't know. He's Jackie. the one who fixed it. Maybe he could see evidence of... Wow, I'll have to go to my... I'll have to, I'm, I'm going to pull up my list right now of potential replacement podcast co-hosts. have like a, a tier yeah. of like, who's the heir to like, exactly. if Jackie falls. Jackie gets out of line. <laughs> by, Bring in number one. By siding with Jared <laughs> over me, which is unbelievable. All right. So anyways, uh, as soon as I have some dirt on Jared, yeah, sorry I Sorry about air. your laptop. Unclear circumstances. Yeah. Sorry, I... I won't listen to Jared anymore, I guess, but I totally believed him. As soon as by I, the way. as soon as I have dirt on him, I'll air it publicly on our podcast. <laughs> on the <because>. podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So like I said, today we're going to go through Genesis 23, uh, the death of Sarah. In some ways this marks the end of an era. You know, we've been, we've really? been yeah. in the story of Abraham for a long time yeah. now. And the next story is going to be about Isaac finding a wife after today. And then Genesis 25 talks about the death of Abraham. And so here's what I want to do. Okay. We're going to go through Genesis 23 today. Then next week, we're going to take a week where we answer some questions publicly that we've gotten about some of the stuff we've been talking about. Um, maybe recap a little bit of what is important to take away so yeah. far, you know, because we've talked about a lot of stuff. So it's kind of Yeah, like, we got to recap at some point, what's, right? What's the like, what are some of the main takeaways? Yeah. Uh, we'll summarize uh, some of the significance of Abraham, what we've seen in the story so far. And uh, then we'll get back to the to the story the week after with the with the chapter about Isaac finding a wife. And so uh, we'll, we'll this is today episode thirty six, which is episode thirty five. Last time I didn't even mention it. Jackie told me that I'm not allowed to celebrate every five increments of episodes. I so. just asked that he celebrate quieter. Wait till we get to forty. Oh. I'm counting down the days. I'm dreading it. And then if you think forty, wait till we get to fifty. This is gonna be bad. Guys. I might be like around. No, that's going to be like early next year. New year, new us. Just know now Ooh. that if we hit episode 100, yeah. John's going to just, it's going to be too much. 
Yeah. Well, at that point, I assume that I'll like completely change personalities and think of myself. Because <laughs> they're gonna see us like with like podcast five different creator. personalities over the course of this. Podcast. Yeah. Well, I do have a story symbol spirit T-shirt that I plan on wearing a lot. Yeah. Now people think it's dis- it's 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 not tasteful to wear a podcast a shirt about your own podcast. People but I disagree. You can name so, them. Uh, you. It's me. <laughs> it's me. I thought it was distasteful. Uh, you to Carmen, wear my own merch. <laughs> Joel. Pretty much everybody, but. Uh, but you know, don't listen to the haters. They're all wrong. So. Right. <laughs> all right. So before we get into it, as always, if you enjoy this podcast, give us a five-star rating, subscribe, uh, leave a review on whatever platform you enjoy podcasts on and share the podcast with your friends. Uh, you know, don't, don't be shy about, about sharing this. If, if you're enjoying it, it's always fun to, to bring other people into something that you find helpful or interesting mm-hmm. or that you enjoy. Okay. So we're going to get into Genesis 23, which has to do with death. Mm-hmm because Sarah's going to die and she's going to be buried. And so uh, one of the important things I think maybe that we should start this with is we should recap a little bit of this idea of resurrection. Because mm. as Christians, we believe that uh, resurrection is the end, mm-hmm. right? So it's not that you die and your soul floats off to heaven forever and you play the harp and there's babies <laughs> on clouds and you know it's an eternal church service. Uh, I actually, you know, the the end is resurrection. What happened to Jesus is going to happen to us. That's the promise. New heavens, new earth, glorified bodies, all that. And one of the reasons that I think that that's so obviously true is because it's foreshadowed from the very beginning of Scripture. Yeah, absolutely. All through the Old Testament, it's foreshadowed, and then that's what happens to Jesus. So let's talk a little bit about the resurrection faith, if you will, that we've Mm -hmm. seen so far. Faith uh, in God that leads to resurrection. And so again, this is not literal resurrection yet. Mm-hmm. This is not what happened to Jesus and it's not what is coming to us, but it's pointers, dress rehearsals, mm-hmm. right? And so um, the, the, this is, this is uh, some of the stories I think so far that, that, have, that have come to this, right? So go all the way back to Genesis 4 and Cain kills his brother. He's cast east of Eden to be a wanderer. Mm-hmm. Now the problem with being a wanderer is you're exposed. Yeah, there's not much around. You're exposed. You have to fend for yourself and you have no tribe and you're exposed. And instead, God marks him and protects him. Mm -hmm. So Cain is as good as dead and God delivers him to new life. Mm -hmm. Then we see Noah and his sons who are delivered from the judgment of the world and the flood. And they come off of the ark and they're delivered into new life and and blessing. Mm -hmm. So these are pictures of resurrection. Everything in the world is as good as dead, except God delivers uh, Noah and his sons and then their families from death. Then we get to Abraham. And so Abraham and Sarah uh, are oppressed in Egypt by Pharaoh, the most powerful man in the world. They're as good as dead. And then they're delivered by God into new life mm-hmm. and new blessings. And then Lot is as good as dead when Laomer defeats Sodom where he dwells, but he's delivered by God through Abraham to new life. Mm-hmm all this death that gets turned into life, at least symbolically. Uh, Lot is also as good as dead again when judgment comes upon Sodom (laughs) and Gomorrah, but the angels sent from God deliver him to new life, Mm -hmm. or at least the possibility of new life. And then Abraham's oppressed by Abimelech, who is a Philistine, talked about over and over again, means Mm -hmm. he's Egyptian, but God delivers him from this oppression with with blessings Mm -hmm. and, and new life. Resurrection, pictures of resurrection, the promised seed is as good as dead because Abraham and Sarah can't procreate. They can't have children. Right. 
So it's like the the promise is dead before it even starts. And in some way, you know, it's 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 a it's a you know a, a, a um, impossibility of life to come from uh, the the barren couple, and yet Isaac is delivered. Yeah, new life, yeah. resurrection from death. And then we even did like a a, a long time ago. We did a, a run through of Jonah. Yeah, it's like our foreshadowing about him being as good as dead. He's down mm. in the depths of the sea in the belly of a fish. And uh, he's delivered to new life. Yeah. And then he goes to the Assyrians who in their wickedness and sin are as good as dead because of the judgment of God. That's what he preaches to them. But in their repentance, in putting on burial clothes, sackcloth and ashes, and in going down into the dirt, which is representation of death, the king and the people repent and they're delivered to new life. Mm. It's resurrection. These are resurrection stories. And here, uh, we, we just saw Isaac last week as good as dead, mm-hmm. strapped to wood, mm-hmm. about to be killed, and God delivers him to new life. Yeah, and so the pictures of resurrection are all around us, and that's going to become important in a story like this where somebody dies. And the question is, what are we hoping for? Mm. What do we think is going to happen? What, what, where do we place our faith in terms of what our faith is going to lead to? So. Let's get into Genesis 23. Let's just start with one and two. Genesis 3, 1 and 2. Genesis 23, 1 and 2. Sorry. I was like, (laughs) I was like, "Hmm." let's go back to Genesis 3. We've been (laughs) going too fast. (laughs) Yeah, I know you guys are saying, slow down, slow slow down. down, No, let's do 23. (laughs) Sarah lived to be 127 years old. She died at Kareth Arba, that is Hebron, in the land of Canaan. And Abraham went to mourn for Sarah and to weep over her. Okay, so Sarah dies at 127 years of age and she dies in the promised land, mm-hmm. right? Hebron is in the southern part of the promised land. It's actually south of Jerusalem and Bethlehem uh, in w- what will become the area of the tribe of Judah. Uh, but it's north of where Abraham has been living mm-hmm. with the Philistines, right? So yeah. this is in the promised land. So Sarah dies in the promised land. And it's important to uh, remember that because this is where Abraham is seeking to bury her. Mm. He wants to bury her in the land that God has promised he and his descendants. Mm -hmm. Okay. So let's read three through six. Then Abraham rose from beside his dead wife and spoke to the Hittites. He said, I am a foreigner and a stranger among you. Sell me some property for a burial site here so I can bury my dead. Sir, listen to us. You are a mighty prince among us. Bury your dead in the choicest of our tombs. None of us will refuse you his tomb for burying your dead. Mm. So the Hittites are Canaanites. Mm. And uh, the literal you know, words that we translate as Hittites are sons of Het. Okay. And again, we don't love Genesis 10, the table of nations, but it's very instructive. <laughs> and so if you go back to the table of nations, Het is the second son of Canaan. Mm-hmm. So these are Canaanites through and through, right? Yeah. And... Um, he asks for them to sell him a piece of property for burial and they tell him that he can just have it. Yeah. Right. They just want to give him a place. And, and it says here that they call him a mighty prince, which I think is an okay translation, but the wooden translation would be prince of God. Okay. You are God's prince. Yeah. And so I kind of think what that means is that, that they're converts. Yeah. They seem to understand the weight of what that would be. Right. So you saw what he did with the Philistines and Abimelech. Yeah. Now he's with these Hittites, these Canaanites, and it kind of seems like they're worshipers of Yahweh, mm. right? And they're speaking reverentially to Abraham. And, and I think their reason is because he's God's prince. Mm. 
And so they say, just bury her in the choicest of tombs. We're not going to say no to you because you're the prince of God. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, do what you want. That This is the fear of the Lord. Mm-hmm. And it's consistent with what we've seen in Abraham's ministry so far. He's going up and down this future promised land, claiming what, I, what I've been calling a shadow dominion over it by yeah. setting up altars, calling on the name of the Lord converting with repentance all the you know gentiles these 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 uh these these pagans and canaanites and egyptians and just like abimelech and the philistines convert it seems like the hittites here have started to actually call on the name of yahweh yeah. right okay so uh let's do 7 through 11 then abraham rose and bowed down before the people of the land the hittites he said to them if you are willing to let me bury my dead then listen to me and intercede with ephron son of zoar on my behalf so he will sell me the cave of Machpelah, which belongs to him and is at the end of his field. Ask him to sell it to me for the full price as a burial site among you. Ephron the Hittite was sitting among his people and he replied to Abraham in the hearing of all the Hittites who had come to the gate of this city. No, my Lord, he said, listen to me. I give you the field and I give you the cave that is in it. I give it to you in the presence of my people. Bury your dead. Mm. So they're pretty insistent upon uh, about giving Abraham the land to bury Sarah, right? Yeah. Which is which is generous. And mm-hmm. and that truly is generous because they fear the Lord, which is a good thing. And it's because they see Abraham for who he is. Mm-hmm. He's God's prince, mm-hmm. prince of God. And so I think uh if if my reading is correct, then they fear God, they want to serve his prophet, and so they offer him this gift. And so the question is, will Abraham accept the gift? Mm-hmm. Why or why not? Yeah. And so we see this strange negotiation take place. Let's do 12 through 16. Again, Abraham bowed down before the Lord, or, but again, Abraham bowed down before the people of the land. And he said to Ephron in their hearing, listen to me, if you will, I will pay the price of the field, accept it for me so I can bury my dead there. Ephron answered Abraham, listen to me, my Lord, the land is worth 400 shekels of silver. But what is that between you and me? Bury your dead. Abraham agreed to Ephron's term and weighed out for him the price he had named in the hearing of the Hittites, 400 shekels of silver, according to the weight current among the merchants. So he's very, very insistent, right? And he he refuses the offer. He says, name your price and I'll pay it. And Ephron's like, dude, it's 400 shekels of silver, but what does that matter between you and me? And Abraham's like, it matters about 400 shekels of silver. I'll weigh it out. And he weighs it out. Yeah. And, and so I think that one of the things that's happening here is, again, sometimes because of our children's Bible stories that we grow up with, we think of Abraham as like a wandering nomad. Mm-hmm. But he is a powerful sheik. Yeah, he started out that way way back in the day, but he's pretty powerful now. He's powerful. Yeah. I mean, he's got, you know, thousands of people in his camp. Mm-hmm. They're treating him like a prince. Mm-hmm. You know, he's having a negotiation with someone who's very powerful. So it's kind of like, dude, I'm a millionaire. You're a millionaire. What's 400 bucks? <laughs> right? Like to you and me, Jackie, even though we're getting that church money, $400 is a lot of money. Yeah. But what if you're like Elon Musk? It's not that much money. Maybe this is like $4 between you and me. <laughs> yeah. Or like, dude, it's four bucks. A cup What's of coffee, that between? Duncan. <laughs> yeah. Because when you buy me Duncan and I forget to pay you, you come after me. I never say. I'm gracious. <laughs> So like, I'm a millionaire, you're a millionaire. Well, it's $400, dude. It's 400 who, who, cares, bucks, who cares? Right? So, so Abraham... Uh, is is powerful and Ephron is powerful. Yeah. And he's kind of like, I want to give you this land, just take it. And and not only does Abraham not take it, he weighs out the 400 shekels carefully. 
according in front to of everybody according, according to the prices of the day of the merchants. So it's not even like an estimate. Like, oh, come on, take a little something for it. It's like, no, it's like, if the land's worth four hundred dollars, I'm going to give you four hundred dollars, yeah. and he, and he gives it to him. Okay, yeah. why? Mm. All right, we got it. We got to see. We got to read on. Yeah, and, and we'll talk about it. So Ephron's field in Machpelah near Mamre, both the field and the cave in it, and all the trees within the borders of the field was deeded to Abraham and his property as his property in the presence of all the Hittites who had come to the gate of the city. Afterward, Abraham buried his wife, Sarah, in the cave in the field of Machpelah near Mamre, which is at Hebron in the land of Canaan. So the field and the cave in it were deeded to Abraham by the Hittites as a burial site. All right. So, um, it feels strange to us when we read it, but do you see all of the the unnatural repetition here? Yes. I was just going to comment on that. <laughs> so you Like I was reading the same sentence over and over again. So sometimes you don't notice it until you read it out loud. Yes, that's that's right? very true. But it says the, <laughs> the land was deeded to Abraham as his property in the presence of all the Hittites at the gate of the city. Then, so the field and the cave in it were deeded to Abraham by the Hittites as a burial yeah, site, right? Like, I know. <laughs> it was very important to understand <laughs> that it's deeded to Abraham. So yeah. he bought it. Mm-hmm. And it's deeded to him as the burial site. He did not accept the gift. Yeah. He did not take it. He bought it. He paid for it the price that it was worth. So this field is in Machpelah, which is close to Mamre, right? Which is where Abraham has dwelt many times with, yeah. with his with his people. Um, you know, the oaks of Mamre, the place with all of those trees. And so trees, the language of Eden and the language of the ark and all that stuff about wood and trees. And so Abraham buries his wife, Sarah, in a cave in Canaan, mm. which is the future promised land. And it's described using Edenic language. Mm. Right. So the temptation that Abraham faces is what? Mm. To take the promised land? To receive the promised land from the Canaanites instead of from God. Mm. Right? Do you remember another story where he was offered gifts and he refused them? Yeah. What was that story? The king of Sodom offers him tons of stuff, right? And he yeah. says no. Yeah. And does he say, because you won't hold anything over me? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And we talked about how uh, he he refuses the spoils, which is totally normal in war to take spoils. Right. But he refuses the spoils for several reasons. One of the reasons is because God has promised him all this stuff already. Yeah. He's not going to take it from the king of Sodom. Mm-hmm. He's not going to take it from this Canaanite. He's not going to accept it from this Canaanite because God has promised him. And this is part of the the patient faith of Abraham, mm-hmm. trusting that God's going to going to provide what he promised he will provide. Uh, in a sense, to take it would be like taking the fruit. This is almost like his version of like, dude, it's $400. I'm a millionaire. What's it to you? Like, this is like, here, take this thing. I have a much better promise in God. So what's it to me that you offer me something yeah, physical and it's yeah. as small as, you know, land for free. Right. And so, you know, I actually think that the the people Abraham's dealing with here are acting righteously yeah. because they fear the Lord. Yeah. They respect Abraham as, as his prince. But the conversation has echoes of the temptation mm-hmm. in the garden, right? Where it's like, no, just take it. Mm-hmm. That's, what the, that's what the serpent says to Eve. Yeah, just, just take, take it. it. This is what they're trying to do to him, although I think righteously. Sure. But the temptation is there because 
God has already promised Abraham the entire land of Canaan, Mm -hmm. right? So uh, in this story, in this moment, he's not going to take it. Just Mm -hmm. like he wouldn't take the spoils from, he wouldn't take Keterleomer's spoils Mm. from uh, the, the the king of Sodom. And so he does not reach out and take the fruit. Yeah. He remains faithful in his patience and trust. He's not going to become a part of the Canaanites. He's going, he's not going to take the reward that God has already promised to give him from them. Mm-hmm. So even though it seems like in this moment, these people are converts, right? They're, they at least fear Yahweh. Um, God's promise is that he would give Abraham the land. Yeah. And so Abraham trusts him. And uh, just like we think that in the garden, his promise was that he would give them the knowledge of good and evil. Yeah. But they couldn't take it. Mm-hmm. And the servant comes along, tells them to take it, and they do. God's going to give Abraham the promised land. Mm-hmm. He's not supposed to take it. He's offered it. He refuses. Mm-hmm. Right? So this is actually like uh, almost, you know, maybe like a little bit of a foreshadowing of Jesus in the, in the wilderness. Sure. Where he yeah. actually passes the test. Yeah. And the devil offers him land. Yeah. Right? All the kingdoms of the world. Yeah. Um, so uh, Abraham's faithful. He he pays for the land with the riches that God has made him rich with. He does not receive it as a gift. Um, so I just just I want you to look at this because I think this is interesting in terms of the language. Uh, when you read through everything that we just read today, you see this repetition that the land does not yet belong to Abraham. Sure. Yeah, it's called the land of Canaan. Yeah. So in in twenty three two, it's called the land of Canaan. In 23.4, it says, I am a stranger and a sojourner. Mm-hmm. 23.7, it talks about the people of the land, not him, mm-hmm. <laughs> the people who, mm-hmm. who own the land. Uh, in 23.12, he bows before the people of the land. Yeah. And in 23.19, it says again, the land of Canaan. Mm-hmm. So it's not his. It doesn't belong to him yet. God has not given it to him yet. And so if he's going to bury Sarah here, he's going to buy it using the money that God has provided him mm-hmm. over his life mm-hmm. of faithfulness, right? And so he remains faithful. He does not become a Hittite. He does not become a Canaanite. He does not receive from the Canaanites that which has been promised to him from God, but he does purchase the land. Mm. So this land is going to become the land of his descendants. God's going to give that to them. Yeah. Abraham buys a piece of it. Mm-hmm. In terms of our modern economic terms, this kind of sounds like a down payment, mm. right? It's a down payment on a house or a car or whatever. It's like the bank technically owns your house, but you own however much you pay yeah. down on it and however tiny amount yeah. goes towards your principal every month. Uh, but that down payment. Now, when you think about you know uh, biblical theology, what do you, what comes to your mind when you think of down payment? The Holy Spirit. Right. Yeah. And so what is that? What is that theological idea? It says we've been given the Holy Spirit as a down payment, mm. right? As Christians. Right. So that there's something more. Like it's almost like a foreshadowing. Yeah. Like it's a piece, but it's not all. Right. So what happens to us in terms of union with God when mm-hmm. the Spirit of God comes into to our hearts is real. Mm-hmm. That's actual money. That's an actual purchase. That's actual ownership. We are now bound to God in the in the spirit mm-hmm. for real, but not fully as it will one day be. Yeah. Because one day we're going to be raised from the dead and in the new heavens and the new earth, there's not even going to have to be a sun 
because mm-hmm. the presence of God is so strong mm-hmm. that it provides all of the light, mm-hmm. right? However symbolic that language is, what it means is that heaven, real heaven, the new heavens and new earth is going to be the unmediated presence of God. Well, yeah. we have the spirit now. We have that presence, but not like that. Right. So it's the down payment. So what's the promise to Abraham in terms of the land? Mm-hmm. That he's going to have it all. Right. It's all going to be his descendants, but now he owns a piece of it. Down yeah. payment, right? Just a little cave, a field with a cave to to bury his wife. And so it's another foreshadowing of a down payment that's uh, going to become fully theirs, mm-hmm. which goes all the way into the New Testament theology of the Holy Spirit and the down payment, which I think is kind of cool. Now, this specific place that they buy becomes important at the end of Genesis because in Genesis 50 verse 13, it's talking about the death of Jacob. So mm-hmm. Jacob has 12 sons. Those 12 sons are the 12 tribes of Israel. So Jacob is very important. And uh, he he lives with his sons in Egypt. And then when he dies, they carry him to the land of Canaan. This is 5013. They carried him to the land of Canaan and buried him in the cave in the field of Machpelah near Mamre, which Abraham had bought along with the field as a burial place from Ephron the Hittite. Mm. Interesting. That's cool. This is uh, 38 chapters later, 37 yeah. chapters later, right? That it, that it says this. And so Jacob gets buried in the same place that is Sarah is buried. Grandma? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Something like that. Yeah. I, I, that's actually a good question. But um, they get buried there because that land is going to be theirs. Yeah. But it's not theirs yet. Just a down payment. Yeah. And so this place becomes important. The story becomes important. And it becomes important in terms of the the, uh, theology of the Holy Spirit Mm -hmm. and the down payment in terms of salvation. So uh, this is kind of a a short, you know, episode today because this is kind of a short chapter. Yeah. And uh, last week was long. (laughs) So we owe it to you. (laughs) And so we owe it to you. But before we go, I do think that we can talk a little bit about, you know, I just, Jackie, I kind of want to get your perspective the the whole thing with Abraham seems to be this idea of patience. Yeah. Right? Like he is a hundred, he's 140. Right. His wife just died at 127. And this promise is supposed to be his, this land. And yet all that he's going to end up with is this little field with a cave mm. where his wife is buried. Yeah. So in terms of like faith and patience, you know, what we've read throughout the Bible so far, what 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 is uh what is your takeaway from that? Abraham seems to possess just a, a crazy amount of faith that makes it so clear why why the New Testament you know reveres him in that way. I think about how many times in my life I'm not patient for a month. Right? Yeah. About something that I know God's asking me to do or that I know like is promised to me if I follow the commands of God. Right. And I think again and again in the story moving forward, we'll see patience that goes beyond people's lifespan. Mm -hmm. Right. So Abraham's just not patient to see promises that God will fulfill in his lifetime. He's content to be patient past his lifetime. Right. I think it's just amazing. Yeah. And you know, like um, 
I think one of the, again, remember that the Bible is a revelation of God. Mm -hmm. So it's supposed to teach us how God works. Mm -hmm. This is how God works. Yeah. You know, and some of it is because what we've talked about before, kind of on a philosophical level, which is that God is eternal Mm -hmm. and infinite and Mm -hmm. we are very, very finite. And so 10 years feels like a lot of our life Mm -hmm. to wait and to God, it's nothing. And so he's moving big things forward in and through the church. You're a part of the church. You're a a member of the body of the church. And so God is moving in your life. Mm -hmm. Now we have these things that we want and some of them are unrighteous for sure, but some of them are righteous. You know, like maybe you want to get married and you don't have a husband, you don't have a wife yet. And, and you don't even have any prospects right now. And it feels like you're in this season of waiting. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the reasons that these kinds of stories are so instructive to us is because we have to look at, okay, Abraham does not have what God has promised him. Yeah, He doesn't. He doesn't have the land. He doesn't have a million descendants. They're not like the, the sand of the seashore. They're not like the stars in the sky. And yet Abraham is blessed. Why is he blessed? Because mm, he believes. Yeah, and he's walking with God. Yeah. These moments of of patience and waiting, the test, the trial, it's not that God doesn't want us to be happy. It's that the process itself is where the fruit is born. Yeah. Right? The end goal that we set in our minds for something like a relationship yeah. or for something like our life or for something like our job or for our friendships or for our family or for children, whatever, you know, those are arbitrary things that we create in our minds. Yeah. And we don't know anything. Maybe you'll have that, maybe you won't. But you always have the opportunity to be walking with God in faith. And you have the the opportunity to experience joy with God. It's not contingent on any of those things. Absolutely. So if you're thinking, well, I have to wait to receive X, Y, Z to experience joy. Mm -hmm. You have God. Mm-hmm. You have the Holy Spirit. Yep. You're in communion with him. Yep. You can experience joy. Yeah. And it's okay to want things and to yeah, pray for those for things sure. and to chase those things to to a to a degree that it's healthy, but you you have to understand that the blessings that God is going to shower upon you in your life are not necessarily those end goal outcomes when we think of blessings. Yeah. What he's going to do for you is that as you walk faithfully with him, you actually come to know him. Mm -hmm. You come to be formed into his likeness in that process. You come to be made holy and cleansed in that process. You come to be regenerated in your spirit and soul in that process. And it's not because you reach an end. It is actually in the process itself that those things are happening. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, you know, sometimes we read the Bible, especially some of the New Testament stuff because of the persecution that was going on. And we kind of think that they're speaking, you know, that they're that they're waxing poetic about this stuff. Mm. But when Peter says, consider it pure joy, my brothers. Yeah. Or is that James? I don't remember. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you experience trials and tribulations of many kinds. Yeah. It's like we think like, well, that's like a that's like a good platitude. Well, that's nice in theory. But he yeah. means that. Yeah. What he means by that is that when God blesses your life in a way that you can tell, in a stereotypical way that you dream of, you should rejoice Yeah, because God is, is gracious and good and you're experiencing something beautiful. When the trials and the tests come into your life, you should also rejoice mm-hmm. because in those moments, you get to grow closer to God. Mm-hmm. You get to actually trust him. Mm-hmm. 
right? Um, I've heard people say that that it is in the wealthiest church communities where the faith of God is the least potent because mm-hmm. it feels like we kind of got this under control. Yeah. We pay our rent, send our kids to school. Everything's going okay. I hope that God, you know, uh, helps me sleep tonight and, mm. you know, get, helps my kid on his test or whatever. And all that stuff is fine. Like, I'm not saying don't, but what I'm saying is that you will have moments in your life where you're in the trenches mm-hmm. and those are actually opportunities to grow yeah. with God. That's part of the process. It's part of faith. It's part of waiting. And so God does not will us to suffer. Right. But in the suffering, we can become like him. Because we still have him we in the suffering. Him. No matter what other peripheral things we don't have, we still have him. Yeah. And and so um, many people have stories of life change mm. into, into a life with God. And a lot of the stories seem like they happen at rock bottom. Mm-hmm. Well, why? Because they don't have anywhere else to turn. Yeah. In that way, regardless of whether the things that bring you to rock bottom and the things you experience are evil or sin or bad in that way, it's a blessing Yeah, because God is with you and you can see that now. Mm -hmm. He was with you when you had money, didn't see it. He's with you now and you see it because all that stuff has been stripped away. Yeah, And so just like we talk about with the covenant with Noah, all these things that happen to us in our life, it's all compromised. It's all compromised by sin. It doesn't mean that if you get sick and you get that diagnosis that God wants that in your life. Mm-hmm. He doesn't. Mm-hmm. That's not the will of God. That's a product of sin and death and decay. But in that, God has always promised to bring beauty from ashes. And so there is absolutely an opportunity for God to bring blessings from that tragedy in your life. Yeah. Always. Doesn't mean he wants that doesn't mean he wills that. Doesn't mean that that's God has providentially stricken you with cancer. Mm. Doesn't mean that. And maybe we'll have to do episodes on the providence of God at some point because people get very confused about this. What it means is that that's happening. And because God is sovereign and because he loves you, as you walk with him in that, there's always an opportunity for blessing. And we're going to see here in a moment, a couple chapters, Abraham's going to die. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have the promised land. His great grandson or whatever, Jacob doesn't have the promised land. Then they're going to be in Egypt for hundreds of years. They don't have the promised land. It's like still out there. And yet, how would we define Abraham? Faithful. He's a man of faith who walked with God all through the waiting, all through the time, all through the trial. And in the moments of life that came at him, he takes those steps of faith. Mm -hmm. That's why Abraham is uh, uh, such a picture of the, of biblical faith. Right. Um, you and uh, Matthew were doing like a a ranking system of the the, <laughs> the characters of the Bible. Uh, biblical characters tier list. Tier list. Yeah. And Abraham was up there. And yeah. you guys were right about that because... Yeah, he was in A tier. Yes. Well, we said S tier was only the Trinity. Yeah. We felt <laughs> like Trinity. that was pretty good. <laughs> Can't really put anyone else up there. Yeah. So. You gotta, but like, you know, Abraham, Paul... Yeah. You know, those guys are up there. Yeah. And and part of it is because of this, this you know, uh, this idea of faith. And it really is beautiful. And we, we really should mm-hmm. be able to take from these stories of Abraham and Sarah um, a, a real, not an allegory, a real example of what it looks like yeah. 
to walk with God when you're not getting what you want. Absolutely. Right. And they weren't perfect. No, of course not. And so, you know, if this was just a nice story about a guy who followed God, why include his failures, <laughs> right, right? Right. So, so how kind to us for us to know that this was a real person and and that like this is this kind of faith is possible, mm-hmm. right? And so, um, we're not quite done with Abraham yet. No. Um, but remember to keep Abraham in mind as this kind of prototype of faith, which yeah. is the way the New Testament talks about. Because what we're going to see is like, I mean, quite frankly, Isaac, yeah, seems somewhat unremarkable. Yeah, in his story. It, we we'll we'll touch a little bit on him, but it's really his sons Esau and Jacob that and then, we'll get and into. And then Esau's not good. No. And Jacob's not that good either. No, no, <laughs> he's really is not. And then Jacob's sons are not that good. No. <laughs> so the the tribes of Israel, right? And so you you kind of you're going to start to see this you know, strange kind of, uh, the, you know, sin and death and evil even come into the people of God mm-hmm. and they're dealing with all this stuff. And so one of the, I think the the reasons that God has given us Abraham, the history of Abraham is to put that prototype mm-hmm. of biblical faith right there out front. Cause now we're going to start to see what it looks like when people do have faith, but it's a little bit more compromised and sin and evil and idolatry, all this stuff kind of starts to mix in with it. Mm-hmm. And how does that work and what happens and all of this. And uh, they're, they're supposed to look back at the story of Abraham and be like, Oh, that's what it means to walk in faith. Yeah. Uh, that that's the, the, the actual dress rehearsal that we've been given mm-hmm. that we can, that we can live into. Um, and so that, that includes us too. We can look at Abraham and learn those same things. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, uh, Anything else today, Jackie, before we get going? All right, well, then uh, thank you guys for, for joining us. We will see you next week on Story, Symbol, Spirit.